Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast, and I have my very special co-host and best friend of over 30 years with me, Juanita Wooden Radko. And today we're going to continue an episode that we began a little while ago. And to be honest, this is our second time recording it. We it's don't just that often. good. <laughs> <laughs> we are we not sure it. what happened, but the recording of it disappeared. So we are now doing How to Have an International Bestseller, Part 2, again. So welcome to the show, Juanita. Thank you, Kim. I'm doubly glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> So in the first episode, and if you missed it, you know, go back and make sure that you listen to it because we had a very good discussion on the first part of having an international bestseller and that's having a well-written book. So we covered things like having a good cover. What does that entail? You know, readable, relatable content, good grammar, excellent formatting, positive reviews. So we covered all of those things and how they relate to having an international bestseller. And in today's episode, we're going to cover part two, which is marketing. And as I thought about this, it really is sort of a 50-50 split. You can't have one without the other and expect to hit international bestseller. Well, I guess that's kind of a lie. If you already have a network of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you don't really need marketing. If you have a network of thousands and thousands of people, are you really confused about how to market at this point? (laughs) (laughs) You've already done the marketing. Mm -hmm. You're just taking advantage of it. But if you do not have that network of people, Marketing has to be included in your plan for having that international bestseller book. But before we get into that, Winita, I just wanted to know if you had any initial thoughts that you wanted to share either about the last episode or this episode. Well, I wanted to share that I had such a great time, especially talking about the grammar. I'm looking forward to doing a few more episodes where we talk about the nitty gritty about grammar. I just love being picky, I guess, is what I'm (laughs) confessing to you. But no, (laughs) I feel like that is also something where people get really nervous, like, Mm -hmm. oh no, what can I do? I don't want to sound foolish or I've never been sure what to do with a comma. And they're so useful. 
<laughs> so before we talk about my little pet <laughs> pet pro- project, pet um, uh, topic, I will return the floor to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just so you know, I have a name that I use for Juanita. I probably won't mention it here. That we, aff- I affectionately call her when she starts getting on my grammar case. <laughs> But you know what? Here's the thing. When I started writing books and I thought about who I wanted to edit them, Juanita was the first person I thought of because of her attention to detail. And if you think that grammar is not important in a book, try reading a book where the grammar's bad. I think one of the things we talked about on the last episode is when your grammar's good, it's invisible. Exactly. You don't see it. But when it's bad, you can't help but notice it. And it does affect how you, um, the value that you see in the book. So we will do a little bit more. Maybe every once in a while we'll do a grammar tip day or maybe throw some grammar tips into our future episodes. So (laughs) Winnie and I will talk about that. But today we want to focus in on marketing, and this tends to be more my forte, so I'll probably do most of the talking today, but we want to talk about a few key elements. And so just to clarify, when I'm talking about marketing, I'm not talking about having to put out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in paid advertising. And I'm not even necessarily talking about having to go to a marketing agency or things like that. I was able to get Canadian bestseller status just from what I'm going to be talking about today in my previous books and international bestseller, again, through these same systems, just being able to access more people. So don't shut out if you think, oh man, she's going to talk about, you know, how you have to spend $10,000 in marketing. Well, no, you don't. Do I recommend you spend a little bit in marketing? Yes. And I'm going to give you some ideas for some places that you can just to help increase uh, your marketing. So when it comes to the international bestseller, you really want to plan a book launch. It needs to be intentional. This is not something that you can kind of throw together last minute and hoping that it happens. Because like we talked about in in the first episode, you know, you have to hit a certain number of sales in a certain number of countries and preferably in more than one category on Amazon. So like I said, that takes planning. So when we're looking at your book launch, you really want to talk about connecting with your network of people. And I'm going to hand it over to Juanita for just a moment because I know, and I'm going to share my thoughts too, but she is very good at networking and connecting with people. Well, thank you, Kim. One of the things that I think right off the bat is you think about who you know. And you qualify them. And when I say qualify, I mean, okay, who can I talk to about my particular 
product that I'm going to sell, whether that product is a physical thing or whether it's your book or whether it's some a service, something mm-hmm. a little more um, intangible. Mostly, most everybody is excited to hear when you are writing a book mm-hmm. and that will get their attention right out of the gate. And then when you tell them, I've got a book specifically to help this kind of people, you should know not only your ideal people who you're going to talk to, those are your leads, but you also want to ask your friends if they know anybody who qualifies as a potential lead. Someone, let's say I wanted, was writing a book about um, sewing. I wouldn't just talk to the people that I know who sew. I would make sure that I talked to anyone I know who also likes to do crafts and ask them what crafts do you, do you have any crafter friends? Do you know? And sort of have that, have them do a little bit of the legwork for me too. Mm-hmm. Would you share this with me? That is an important part of making connect connections. You're qualifying people, but you're not discounting uh, someone. I have a good friend who, would rather hit her fingers with a hammer than take on a sewing project. But she will often say something like, oh, you're like my friend, Catherine. She loves to do this. Mm -hmm. Or my mom loves to do, you probably, they probably know somebody else who is interested in what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the things that I think is really important is that your network is not as small as you think. Mm-hmm. And I remember the the last time we tried recording this, um, <laughs> you had talked about, you know, you don't want to, when you're thinking of your network of people in terms of getting the book out. So I think I'll back up just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about your network and a book launch, you want to create a network of people who will actively promote your book for you during your book launch? Uh, yes, the, the raving fans. Yes. And even maybe not quite so raving fans, because like you said, you, you know people who know people. Mm-hmm. So, but you do want to qualify them because in the last time we tried to record this, Juanita was talking about, you know, you don't want to um, ask your crotchety old aunt who hates everybody and hates everything right. to be promoting your book. So when you think of your of developing that network of people to help you promote the book, you want to qualify them so that when they're referring the book, people are not judging your book by the people who are referring it. Yes, I I once um, got feedback from a class where I was not the teacher; I had someone else teaching for me, and turns out they weren't as comfortable using certain features on the machine and as she was trying to wind a bomb she said oh I can never get this damn thing to work that is not what I want to have communicated when I'm trying to sell sewing machines yes you know I I assumed always a dangerous thing that because she could do it on her machine she would have no trouble doing it on a similar machine that had the same layout 
it turns out it doesn't take much to throw people off. Even just the color of the paint will do it sometimes. <laughs> yep. So yes, that you re- thank you for reminding me, Kim. That other topic is it's kind of related to the social media aspect. You may have friends or relatives like Uncle Charlie who has strong opinions and political opinions. <laughs> you may not want him to be going, womp, 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 here's my niece's book. I think it's great when Uncle Charlie also promotes things that are oh, maybe a little racist or insensitive in some other way that you don't want everybody going, oh, if, if he's her uncle and, she, and he's saying all these things and likes her stuff, maybe she's like him. Mm-hmm. So as Kim said, you don't want unwanted associations. So there's, uh, proceed with caution mm-hmm. <laughs> with that. Certainly asking people if they know someone else who might be interested is not the same thing as having them be a, a promoter in that instance. So when you're thinking of preparing your book launch, I highly recommend that you actually start this process three to six months before you plan on doing the launch itself, because you need that time to connect with people. And ultimately, you want 50 to 100 people that you can trust to promote your book out to. So whether that be they can send out an email to people that they know what might be interested, whether that's they're willing to post on social media, whether that's they're willing to give a few friends a phone call. Um, You know, if someone came to me and they had a, a sewing book, let's say, I'd probably say, oh, wait, I know a couple of people who might be interested in this book. And I could pop off Juanita an email or, you know, I could get on the phone and say, hey, my friend so-and-so, you know what, she's publishing a sewing book and I know you like sewing stuff, you know, would, would you consider supporting her book? So there's lots of different ways, but you have to have your network on board with you and you want to try and hit that 50 to 100 people. The truth is people will say that they're going to do it. But then when the time comes, not everybody is going to do that. So if you only have 10 people who have said that they will share about your book, truthfully, probably four or five will. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a pampered chef party or other type of party? Everybody likes being invited to have the samples of the food. Are they all going to spend $100 on cookware or whatever? Eh, Probably not. That's why part of the setup of those types of parties is that you invite as many as people as you can. Ideally, you're inviting 12 to 15 people if your house can have that many. Because a lot of times you end up with, oh, something came up. My bunny rabbit has... um, has the sniffles, so I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't come. I realized that my husband won't let me spend a couple hundred dollars at your party, whatever reason you might have. <laughs> and actually, you know, when I used to teach and train that, 
I actually told people to invite four times the amount of people that they want at their house because about a quarter statistically would show up. So, you know, if you want two people, invite 10. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why it's really important to be thinking about your network ahead of time. And don't count somebody out just because you may not know them too well. There's a lot of people who will help and support you that are kind of part of your extended network who may not know you too well, but you know, if you can, don't be afraid to ask them if they're willing to help you. Let them decide if they're going to say yes or no. You don't assume. Right. You can be very surprised how a relationship that you assumed was, you know, just distant an acquaintance that person might be actually wishing to have a a closer relationship with you they if they're excited about what you're doing and they believe in it too they might be looking forward to this opportunity i i often found that that was true that when i'd say oh well this might be a bit of work i don't know if i want to ask so and so but I found that in Toastmasters when I've been starting a project. People want to help. They just want you to ask them in a nice way. Yep, exactly. You know, I had an experience yesterday where I was talking to someone, and it, it may turn into business. It may turn into a collaboration between the two of us. Um, but she, was, uh, she had written a chapter in, in one of the collaboration books I had done. But when we got talking yesterday, she actually admitted to me that she had been following me for a long time before we actually officially met. Like we were Facebook kind of Facebook friends, you know, like people that you accept because, you know, they're, they're because they, you have a, like a lot of mutual friends. So you accept this person because of the mutuality. But she had, she had told me that she had been following me for quite some time even before we worked together on this book. And then we haven't connected in the last two years, but she's like, I see your post and all this. And she's like, I was, you know, I wanted to talk to you to see how we could help each other. So you never know because she's not a person I would have thought to, like, even if I was thinking of my network of people, she probably would not have been one of those people that I would even have thought of. And yet all this time she's been following me. She's, you know, she's not always, here's the thing. She's not one of these people who's liking my stuff on, on social media, but she's seeing it and she was quoting stuff. So you just never know who might that person be. So let them make the decision. Don't assume that they're going to say no. Give them the opportunity to say yes. And if they say no, okay, well, nothing's changed, right? But if they say yes, you've got another person who's going to help you and support you in that book. Yeah. Thanks anyway. I appreciate it. Yeah. I I feel like this is the appropriate time to say a quote. My mother-in-law says this and somebody, I'm sure your mother has said some, uh, some variation on it is always be nice. Then there's different reasons why. Always be nice. Because you want people to be nice to you. My mother-in-law would put it, 
always be nice because you don't know who they're related to in town. <laughs> and yeah, they'll so go we- back and they'll t- and <laughs> you behave yourself because it'll get back to you family and they will have words for you. <laughs> Juanita and I live in a, a smaller type community. So, you know, that is always a possibility. You never know who you're speaking to is more likely than not connected to somebody else that you know. So you definitely don't want to make a, a bad impression uh, when you're out and about and doing things because that does get around our town. <laughs> It's funny, Kim and I are often stopped uh, by people from a distance. I've had people ask me, oh, hey, Kim. And, <laughs> and, and it's only gotten better since we ha- drive similar model vehicles now. Too. <laughs> yeah. We drive sister vehicles now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get I get the people coming up to me and asking me sewing questions, and I just politely listen, and then I look, I'm thinking, you think I'm Juanita, don't you? And they look at me, they're like, you're not? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm her best friend, though. <laughs> and sometimes I'll get it, and they'll be talking about, say, a church event that they were at and wanting to follow a conversation, and I'm thinking... I don't remember seeing them at the event that I You think I'm Kim, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you don't go to River of Life? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm the other one. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's the funniest thing when they start asking me sewing questions, because I do know a little bit about sewing, but the questions they're usually asking me, I'm like, yeah, they get to the deep end of the pool a lot faster than you're ready for. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's way beyond my scope. So you're obviously, you obviously aren't talking to me. You're talking to Juanita. <laughs> so once you consider your network, and you know you start building this network while you're writing the book, and not only do you want to build a network of people who who will actively promote you. But you also want to build an audience of people who will actively purchase your book once <laughs> it's ready. It and seems logical, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's many of the same types of things that you do building your network is talking to people, find out what their interests are, letting them know that you're writing a book. If you have a website put a landing page together and collect emails through an autoresponder. If you have no clue what I just said, you either need to A, study it, or B, do it the old-fashioned way, write people's names and emails down on a list or put it on a spreadsheet or, or whatever, but keep them all in one place. But you want to find people who want to read your book when it comes out. And so you're building audience as you go along as well. So when you take all of those things into consideration, then when it comes time for the book to come out, you've already got that group of people who you could pretty well count on to purchase the book. Now, is everybody? No. Again, it's, you know, it's understanding numbers, right? So if you've got an email list of a thousand people, 
probably realistically, it depends how you've built that audience. If you've built it good and strong, you got good relationships, you could probably rely on at least quarter to half to purchase the book. If you haven't developed those relationships, probably only about 10%. So when you're looking at numbers, you think, oh, I got a thousand people on my list. It might not be enough. Mm-hmm. So understanding your numbers is very important as well, and understanding human nature and the fact that people say they're going to do things, but then many times they don't. So you always want to extremely pad your numbers. You're you're better off to have, you know, double to triple of what you think of and ensure you get your result than think, oh, I've got I've I've got enough, and you don't. Yeah, if you double or triple, really, how can you go wrong with having more people <laughs> wanting to buy your book or wanting to read your book? I was thinking, too, as we were talking about building an audience, one of the places where we build, where people can build audiences is through a blog. Yes. And if you have a book coming out, Reference that in your blog posts. They're already reading what you're talking about. They want to read more. And one of the things that uh, one of my bloggers did when uh, he wrote his uh, nine tips, get things done quick and easy. I, I've got to, I've got to pick up the book again and look at the title. But the um, one thing he offered with his book was. Don't just uh, buy one copy for yourself. Buy multiple copies. Let's say you're writing a book on human resources and you want you, you want it to be for everybody, not you want it to be for managers and you want it to be for employees. Well, then you promote it. Managers, make sure that you buy enough for the people on your entire team. Yes. And it, don't tell people they can only buy one book because hello. <laughs> now it's a little different when it's the Kindle book. You can only buy one of the Kindle book, but. But, or then at least have the, um, have that promotion that you recommend that the um, managers have everyone on their staff download it for their team. Mm-hmm. It, it's an option. Yes. Telling people who they, they can recommend your book to yes. is another way to build your audience. Yes. And I mean, that's the thing too. Like your audience can also become part of your network. Mm-hmm. Because in that audience, you're going to have those super fans, those brand ambassadors. So it doesn't hurt even in your audience to encourage them to share it out too and give them those ideas. Like here's, you know, here's who the book is perfect for. Who do you know that would absolutely love this book? So we've actually probably close to the end of our time. So I just want to touch on a couple of other quick things. Use social media. As you're writing your book, you're going to have sentences that you write that you just love, okay? (laughs) It flowed out of you and you're like, oh, that's good. 
genius. Yes. <laughs> the okay. light came down from the heavens. The clouds parted. <laughs> but then there's going to be other sentences that you just struggled to write and you know that they just aren't that great. So, you know, it does balance itself out on the humble scale. Uh, <laughs> but there are going to be things you write that you automatically know are really good. You, you can mm-hmm. just feel it. Make a file of those things. Create little social media graphics. You know, there's a free program called Canva. It's great for making social media graphics with. You know, put your quote. Put the fact that the book, when the book is coming out. You know, if you have the cover done, put the cover on there. Be actively promoting your book. Do Facebook Lives. Talk about where you're at with the book and and what you're learning through the experience and what you're teaching and training on. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. You could have a person who watched every Facebook live. So let's say you did one on every single chapter and you pretty well gave the whole book away. You're still going to have people who buy the book, Mm -hmm. right? So don't be afraid to be talking about your book, pulling quotes out of your book. What are you learning during the writing process? What, you know, we call that your writer's journey. What has your writer's journey been like? You know, what was the good things? What was the bad things? What were the ugly things, right? Mm-hmm. People love that. They loved being, they love being part. They feel like they become part of the story of your book. And you become more real to them. Yes. Do you, you know what I mean by that? When you probably had a video interrupt interrupted by an ad where this handsome man or gorgeous woman mm-hmm. is walking around their beautiful swimming pool and they're saying I used to be a poor schmo who didn't know and now I'm pulling down six figures by doing these three simple things sign up for my expensive online course and you'll find out more you know <laughs> they take about 3 minutes to say all of that but the person who says, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I could really use your help. Does anyone have some ideas on how I can express this better? How I can uh, answer your questions on potato chip bridges? Or (laughs) I don't know. You know, please leave a note in the comment. I'm just hitting the the uh the wall. writer's block I, I couldn't remember writer's block is that funny or what <laughs> <laughs> but the wall is the term that we usually use for it you you've hit the wall <laughs> <laughs> so something like that someone who can show that side of themselves i want to connect with them because i know i can trust them to tell me the truth and they're gonna let the that hang out. They're probably, you know, going to be upfront about other things too. So always falling in love with that perfect side is not um, necessarily your best uh, choice in terms of marketing who you are and what your book is about. Yeah, authenticity you promise, matters. Yeah. You promised to talk a little bit about paid advertising, so I just thought I'd remind yep. you. <laughs> so in terms of paid advertising, here is what I recommend. 
There are a lot of really good book advertising websites out there. And I'm not going to name a lot of names because you need to do your research. And you need to find the companies that really focus in on your category of book. Some paid book advertising sites are more for fiction, some for nonfiction. Like they all have kind of their specialties. So you want to check these companies out. You want to check what is the size of their email list? How many times are they going to promote? How far in advance do you have to book? You obviously look at costs. Um, you know, do some companies, you have to meet certain requirements before. So in some cases, uh, one of the big requirements is reviews. They won't um, promote your book till you have a certain number of reviews. So again, you know, you have to look at all of these things ahead of time and have those things in place so that they can be properly promoting your book out for you. And again, as a guaranteed result, no you could pay money and get no results. Hmm. You probably will get some results. But again, when you're in paid advertising, here's the thing. You've got to be realistic, engage everything on the low side. You know, just because they might have an email list of 300,000 people, there might only be 1,000 people who really apply to your category. So yes, the email goes out to 300,000. And yeah, there's probably some other people who would be interested as well. But again, that's why doing your research into paid, into paid advertising is important. If you're going to do paid advertising in terms of social media and that, my recommendation is find a social media marketer to work with. Because you can throw away hundreds and thousands of dollars easily in Facebook, LinkedIn, and all these ads and get nothing. Because if you don't target right, if you don't have the right content, if you don't have the right um, visuals, you can blow through a lot of money. Now, I have not blown through a lot of money, but I have blown through some money playing around with Facebook advertising. And it only made me realize that I just need to work with an expert on that. So, you know, I think that you should have some paid marketing but again, do your research first. Start planning it now. Don't just come in at the end and, and try to throw some money at it. Figure out your budget and then look at your options and make choices based on that. Any thoughts, my friend? Yes, I was really liking what you said about um, figuring out your budget at the beginning, not... A, not waiting till the end and going, well, I've used my money for other things, or I'll just keep doing out $50 here, $200 there. Um, ex I remember uh, being taught that people need to see an advertisement or at your brand advertised about seven times before it actually starts to stick in their head. So that's something that you might want to consider is that repetition and familiarity is going to be important. Yes. So sometimes a smaller size ad, and now this would be 
talking about a print ad, but it would still apply uh, digitally, electronically. Don't spend $800 on one really big ad when you could spend $100 on eight ads spaced out over eight weeks. You're going to get more eyeballs on the yeah. the smaller but more frequent um, ads. Yes, that would uh, be one thing I would offer. It's funny the first time we did this this topic, I felt like, ooh, I don't have as have much to say. And now that we're doing it again, I'm like, oh yes, I remember. I also wanted to tell you that <laughs> track those yummy yummy stats. I have yes. a note that says that. <laughs> I mean, see what's working as far as uh, your advertising and the uh, posts that you're putting out about your your book, about your bestseller. If you're finding out that your book is really making some traction on LinkedIn because it's about human resources, maybe Facebook isn't the right place for you to be advertising. Mm -hmm. If your book is about sewing and there doesn't happen to be a lot of um, creative sewing and uh, artsy-fartsy types on LinkedIn, I feel like I'm, as soon as I say, I'm like, of course there are creative people because creative people are everywhere. But when you think about what type of person, what you gravitate to, probably similar people are going to be looking yeah. for the same things in the same kind of places. So, so Instagram might be a better option for you. Absolutely. It's um, going to be useful to know that, but how will you know for sure? Unless you try and test. you track your stats. Exactly. Exactly. And also look at different types of posts too. So are you getting more static from say doing a Facebook or LinkedIn live um, or are you getting more traction uh, through posting quotes? So look at all of those types of things too and track it over a period of time. So don't just do it once each and say, oh, well, okay. Must not be working. Yeah. You have to do it over a period of time and then you can gauge it. Like do it over like two months, but do it consistently because you have to be able to gauge. The other thing you can look at too is you know, if you're posting each day, over time, you'll see which day of the work, week works best and you're getting the most results. It's mm-hmm. that 80-20 rule that you're going to actually get 80% of your results from about 20% of what you do. So if you can track that, instead of, you know, putting in that 100% all the time, you may be able to scale it back down to 20% and still get 80 to 90% of the results. Mm-hmm. So again, track those yummy stats. <laughs> well, Juanita, do you have any closing thoughts for us today? Well, Kim, I was thinking how much I liked the idea of being prepared for your book launch. I had a thought that maybe we should have a little PDF for our listeners that they can come download. And it could be a checklist for what you need to do with your timeline for your book launch. Hmm. What do you think about that? 
I like that idea. You and I will have to work on that one then. And then we'll do another podcast just on that. (laughs) (laughs) So this has been Juanita Witten-Radko and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thanks for listening. And we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. Just for being here, I'd like to invite you to download your free copy of Power Words, Attract High-Paying Clients and Customers. In this book, I show you how you can easily double your business by using engaging language that attracts the right client to you and positions you as someone they want to work with. Get your free ebook at www.powerwords.pro forward slash free book. That's www.powerwords.pro forward slash free book. Go there now, and I look forward to seeing you on the very next episode of Author to Authority. Mm-hmm.